Yes, Cathedral of Faith. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And today, well, I have great expectations because we serve an amazing God. Amen. I want to welcome everybody again, whether you're in the main building, out in the lobby, over in the chapel, in the coffee shop, all those watching online, different campuses around the Bay Area, even some folks who are joining us around the world. Thank you, thank you so much for setting aside this time to come and, well, you created space for grace in your life. And I'm especially excited because we are in this series called Great Expectations, How to Keep Hope Alive in Your Heart. And when it comes to the subject of hope, it really is hard to overemphasize. I mean, it'd be very hard to go too far over the top when it comes to the importance of how hope is to the human spirit. There are researchers have found that you know, hopeful college students tend to get better grades and are more likely to graduate, and hopeful pro athletes perform better on the field and, and cope better with injuries. And when it comes to the subject of suicide, which is just an epidemic in our country, the most significant predictor is not whether a person is sick, not how much pain they're suffering, not whether they're rich or poor, it's their level of hopelessness, that you, when you lose all hope. And if you've been battling with despair all week long, you've come to the right place today, because there is a God who loves you, and a God who wants to lift up your heart with hope today, amen, amen, and amen, I believe that. So the most important researcher when it comes to the subject of hope, he says, hope is not just an emotion, it is an essential tool in life, an essential life tool. So this isn't some peripheral subject. If, if you want to really engage life like it's meant to be engaged, make sure your heart is full of hope. And the scripture we've been reading and praying I'm going to invite you to stand wherever you're at, if you'll stand with me, and let's read this scripture out loud together and fill this place with the word of God. Everybody, say it with me. May the God who gives hope fill you with great joy, and may you have perfect peace as you trust in him. May the power of the Holy Spirit fill you with hope. Amen and amen and amen. Can we give God praise? Amen. Amen. Well, there's a hero in you that is waiting to get out. I want us to speak that in faith over each other before we're seated. Would you look at somebody and tell them, I see a hero in you. Go ahead and do that. I see a hero in you. I see a hero in you. So far, over these three weeks, we've looked at how if you want to keep hope alive in your heart, make sure you keep the tank full. 
And if you want to keep hope alive in your heart, make sure you raise your aim. Shoot for the stars. And then if you want to keep hope alive in your heart, make sure you're not looking backwards. I'm looking. We remember that from last week. Amen. And today, what I want to talk to you about, if you're going to keep hope alive in your heart and wake up every day with great expectation, you need to play to your strengths. Or let me put it this way. You need to use your superpowers, your superpowers. My grandson, Eli, when he was very young, my daughter took him to see the doctor and he was getting acquainted with the doctor and the doctor wanted to establish a rapport with him. And so she started asking him some questions. She said, Eli, how old are you? He said, I'm three. She said, can you count to five? He said, yes, I can. One, two, three, four, five. And then she smiled and said, now, Eli, are you a boy or are you a girl? And Eli said, I'm Batman. (laughs) He knew who he was. Amen. No identity crisis with my grandson. I'm Batman. Have you noticed how this superhero stuff is everywhere? I mean, I went on the internet and I found all these kind of fun things about superheroes. It said, what does Superman use to eat cereal? He uses a Super Bowl. And then this one was very Silicon Valley. It said, what does Peter Parker tell people when they ask what he does for a living? He says he's a web designer. And then here's one that, well, it has religious overtones to it. What do you call it when Batman skips church? Christian Bale, right? (laughs) I mean, on and on. There's so many things out there. What is it about all the superhero stuff? I mean, it not only connects with little kids, it connects with big kids like me. There's something about superheroes. I mean, it's just fun. It's entertaining. But what if it goes deeper? Just an idea. What if it goes deeper that when we see a superhero, there's something that resonates inside our soul? That the hero out there speaks to the hero that's in us. That there's a hero on the inside that's waiting to get out. With a fresh set of eyes, take a look at the way that the Bible speaks about your entry into this world. In Psalm 139, it's on your memory verse card. It reads, you created the deepest parts of my being. You put me together inside my mother's body. Wow. How you made me is amazing and wonderful. I praise you for that. What you have done, it's wonderful. And I know that very well. And then when you couple this with a verse in the New Testament, and this is what this verse says about you, that we are God's handiwork, we're his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus 
to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, when you put those two verses about who you are together, that's why we can wake up every day with this sense of great expectation that we have been made by God, that we've been made for God, that God has a plan for my life, God has a purpose for my life, and every day, God has good works that he has prepared for me to do. There's a hero on the inside of me that's just waiting to get out. That's why we can live with great expectation. Now, what does a hero look like in action? Years ago, there were these two teenagers that were walking by a tent And they poked their heads inside to see what was going on. And it was some kind of religious thing. And they didn't want to have any part of that. So they turned around and started to leave. But an usher who was at the door, he reached out to them and he smiled and said, Hey guys, why don't you come on inside? You might like what you hear. And in fact, I've got two seats that are saved just for you. Well, the two kids, they went inside and they sat down and they heard the message. And at the end of the sermon, when the invitation was given to put their faith and trust in Jesus, those two teenagers walked down to the front of that tent, turned their lives over to Jesus. And one of those teenagers was named Billy Graham. Billy Graham went on to speak to more people about Jesus than any other person in history. Who was the hero that night? Was it Billy? Was it the speaker? Or was it the usher who used his superpower of hospitality to help transform an entire generation? That's what a superhero looks like, amen? Whatever your superpower is, when you surrender it to God and you wake up with great expectation and you use your superpower to make a mark on the world for the kingdom of God, how great is that? So what is your superpower? Let's spend some time thinking about that. If you're going to find your superpower, you have to first of all look at your gifts. I love what the Bible says about our gifts. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 reads, God's gifts of grace come in many forms. Each of you, would you say that with me? Each of you, say it again. Each of you, say it one more time. Each of you has received a gift. Some of these gifts we've listed on the back of your outlines. Each of you has received a gift in order to serve others. You should use it faithfully. Each of you has received a gift. All of us have the ability to do certain things well. God's given that ability to us. We can't do everything well, but we can do certain things well. And yet it's crazy how from the time we are very young, there is this pressure in our culture that you and I have to be great at everything. 
There's a book called Living Your Strengths, and in the book, the author talks about this idea. And he says, from a very young age, kids are taught to be well-rounded, and there's a pressure on them to be well-rounded. And there's a place for being well-rounded, but if you work too hard at being well-rounded and you work too long at being well-rounded, you may end up just being dull and not sharp at anything. And gifts are underdeveloped and underappreciated and underutilized. Instead, God has gifted you And when you recognize what you can be sharp at and you give attention to that, what do you have a knack for? What comes so easy for you that you don't even recognize it's a gift? One of my favorite theologians, Dr. Seuss, he puts it this way. He says, be who you are because those who mind don't matter. And those who matter, don't mind. Be who you are. Be who you are. It's a little bit like baseball. Baseball season's around the corner, and I love baseball. I played baseball when I was a kid just a few blocks from here. And when I played, well, I threw right-handed. I was wired to be right-handed, and so I threw right-handed. I threw from third base right-handed. I pitched right-handed. I threw right-handed. Now, in a pinch, I could throw left-handed. I mean, if I really had to, I could throw. In fact, I want to demonstrate this to you. My brother's in the front row, and I'm going to throw it to him left-handed. So are you ready, Kurt? Um, The folks on this side, last service, you just may want to move over a little bit more. You know, that, Carl, you may want to move over a little bit yourself, and I I better not do this. I think that's the wise thing to do. Give me a hand for a little bit of wisdom, amen? Oh, boy. I'd be a floppy foreman. Here's the point. Here's the point. Are some of you at work, at school, or even at church? You find yourself most of the time throwing left-handed. When God has wired you right-handed. Today is the day to think about being the you that God created. He gifted you. Choose to be you and watch what God can do. When you discover your gifts and you develop those gifts and then you deploy them and you unleash them on your world, this is what happens to a man in the Bible by the name of Paul. Paul had amazing gifts. He had a brilliant intellect and he was a a top-level leader. The problem was he was using these gifts in the wrong way for the wrong purpose. He was persecuting the church. And then one day he has a dramatic encounter with Jesus and his whole life takes a turn. What does God do? God doesn't take away Paul's gifts and make him throw left-handed. 
Instead, God takes those gifts, harnesses them, channels them in the right way, in the right direction, for the right purpose. And Paul then uses his brilliant intellect and his leadership ability to be a force for the kingdom of God and a hero in the early church. And friend, when you come to Christ, God wants to take your gifts, harness those gifts, and then supercharge those gifts to make a mark for the kingdom of God in this world. There's a hero on the inside of you that's waiting to get out. Let's give God praise, amen. Believe it, own it today. Own it in here. Great expectations. Say that with me. Great expectations. I can get up every day with a sense of how does God want to use my superpower? Ah, this superhero thing, even dogs are picking up on it. It's just you can see it all over. It's very big in our culture, and it carries a message. There's a hero on the inside of us that's waiting to get out. If I look at my gifts, and then if I look at my passion... I look at my passion. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalm 37, 4. It reads this way. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Would you read that with me, everybody? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What do you have a heart for? What are you passionate about? One of the best examples of this, I think, is in a superhero film. It's one of my favorites called The Incredibles. And the dad in the film, he ends up, you can see him here, he is selling insurance. Does he look excited? This is not his passion. His passion is to fight crime and to work for justice. But because of the city... Not our city. Our city has great leadership. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Mayor's right over here. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. (laughs) But this city didn't have great leadership, and they throw a wet blanket on his passion, and now he's forced to work behind a desk, and he's bored to tears. He's bored to tears. Until the opportunity comes for him to put on the suit again and start using his superpowers. And I was thinking he does all of this. He risks his life to fight the bad guys and he doesn't get paid. He's a volunteer. But it doesn't matter because he's living his passion. And that is the power of finding your passion and living your passion. When you follow your passion, it connects to your purpose. And when that happens, I mean, no one has to beg you to do it. No one has to supervise you to do it. Nobody has to reward you to do it. I mean, you'd do it for nothing if you could. It's nice to get paid for it, but you'd do it for free because you were born for this. And so here's the question I want to ask you. As you look at this picture, if we were having a cup of coffee after church, just getting real with each other, are you more over here or are you more over here? 
if you're more on this side, this is the day to take your heart and bring it to God. When you surrender your heart to God, something powerful happens. The word for enthusiasm in the Bible, when you break it down, it comes from a word in theos. And when you break that word down, well, those two words mean in God. And if you need enthusiasm, you'll find it in God, that God can give you the right kind of heart So if you're on this side of the picture today, I would encourage you to bring your heart to God, and God can renew your passion. God can redirect your passion. Friend, if your heart is lost, God can help you find it. If your heart is cold, God is the one who can warm it. If your heart is broken, God is the one who can heal it. The Bible says that God can give you a brand new heart. Can we give God praise? Hallelujah. That's what God can do. An amazing God. And when God gives us a new heart, and we follow our heart, and we're living our passion, we were born for this. And we move over to this side of the picture. The Bible says it is God who produces in you the desires and actions that please him. There's a hero on the inside of you that's waiting to get out. And when we're identifying our gifts and we're living our passion, we can wake up every day with great expectation, great expectation. Say that with me. Great expectation. And that brings us to your last superpower I want to talk about, and that's looking at your struggles. My struggles? Can my struggles really be a superpower? Well, the Bible puts it this way. It says, all praise be to the God and Father of our Master Jesus, the Messiah. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. What a powerful scripture, amen? Powerful scripture. We all have experiences. And God can use all of our experiences, even the most painful ones, and turn them into superpowers. Watch how he does this. A couple years ago, my wife and I, we led a group from the church over to the Holy Land. And when we were in the city of Jerusalem, we decided to go into a shop. Now, my wife, uh, I I love my wife, and we're in the shop. And I, I actually, I love to shop. I love to shop. In fact, I love to shop so much One of my buddies took a picture of me and my wife while we were shopping. You can see it right up there. You know, I don't really love to shop. I hate to shop, but I love my wife, and she loves to shop. And happy wife? Oh, all the husbands. You got that down. And so we're in there shopping, and it's a very, it's a fascinating shop. The thing's been there for like a hundred years, and the guy brings out this piece of jewelry, and he shows it to me. 
And this right here is a 2,000-year-old piece of broken glass. You know how you and I will go and, you know, throw the Coke bottle and it breaks up into pieces? Well, it's kind of like that where this broken glass is just lying around discarded as trash. And then these guys find it and they take the trash and they turn it into treasure. They take the brokenness and they make something beautiful out of it. And I want you to hear this. Because that's the exact thing that God can do. God can take our brokenness, even the most painful of memories, the battle that we had with cancer, or if we've gone through the agony of divorce, or if we struggled through an addictive behavior, what a beast, or if we walked through financial hardship. Or if you've had a major setback in your career, if we bring that pain to God, friend, if you've had a pain, never waste a pain. If you bring that pain to God, God can take the brokenness and bring something beautiful out of it. God can take the mess and out of that mess give you a message, God can take that message and give you a ministry, and that becomes a superpower for you, amen? That's the amazing God we serve. I think about my own life and how that's been so true for me. I think about how God has taken broken places in my life and brought some of the most beautiful things out of those and that they've become superpowers that he's used. And I've seen that happen as a pastor. Boy, somebody needs to hear that today. I've seen that happen as a pastor a great example of this is a man by the name of Tony Ortiz. Many years ago, Tony came to one of our passion plays during Easter season. And at the passion play, he surrendered his life to Christ. Now, Tony had been a, a gang member, a gang leader here in San Jose. But when he surrendered his life to Christ, Christ gave him a fresh start and those gifts which had been going in the wrong direction and used for the wrong purpose, God redeemed them and harnessed them, began to, well, use them in the right way for the right purpose. And what God did is he took Tony's mess and gave Tony a message, took the message and turned it into a ministry and he started a ministry that worked at gang prevention here in San Jose. And it became so effective that the state recognized Tony and gave him the California Peace Award for the work that he was doing in the community. Isn't that awesome? And Tony today, his group, works with the county and our Good Samaritan Project here on campus where... The Good Samaritan Project is a reentry program for people that are getting out of jail. We help them because we believe with the help of God, everybody can have a fresh start. All God's people said, amen. 
Now, what is that? God took that mess and turned it into a ministry. God can take your brokenness, whatever it is, whatever it is, and make something beautiful out of it. He said, there's a hero on the inside of you waiting to get out. You have gifts, and there are passions, and there are struggles. That's our G-P-S that leads us to how we can make a difference in our world. Every day we can wake up with great expectation. I wrote my message and then I found a commercial and I thought, this commercial preaches the sermon better than I do. I hate when that happens. (laughs) But it was so good, I want you to see it. Watch what I mean. great with great expectation we wake up how can we unleash our superpowers today at home at work at school in our city and as a church this year when it comes to our city we love our city we appreciate our city we don't just live in our city we believe at cathedral of faith we are called to our city can somebody say amen we're called to this city The Bible says this, work for the success of the what? City I have sent you to. Pray to the Lord for that what? City. If it succeeds, you will enjoy success. We are so blessed to be in this city. In fact, we have another saying here at Cathedral of Faith. When someone asks us where we live, what side of town, do you live, hey Ken, do you live on the north side of town or the south side of town or the west side of town or the east side of town? I say, no, here at Cathedral of Faith, we live at the the blessed side of town, amen. It is a blessing to live in our valley, it really is. And, And we want this year, the whole hashtag for San Jose is to champion our city, to champion the leaders of our city. And we have two amazing leaders who are with us today. Uh, They are both followers of Jesus. They have both been friends to the Cathedral of Faith for many years. And I am very grateful for their leadership. I'm grateful for their friendship. 
And there was only one way I could think of bringing them on stage. There's only one way. Tech team. Everybody stand. Would you give a great big welcome to Mayor Sam Licardo and Carl Gardino. Love you, buddy. Oh, man. Love you, buddy. Hey. Oh, thanks, Carl. Oh. Go ahead and be seated for just a moment. I, I just want to thank you on behalf of the Cathedral of Faith. I, I know the demands on your time and for you to come and spend all weekend at all four services here, would you let them know just one more time, Cathedral, thank you. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you. Pastor Ken, I have to say, I am so blessed uh, to be serving a city where we have an amazing congregation of people like we have at Cathedral Faith. The work that you and your team and all the volunteers here do, whether it's serving food for hundreds of school kids every day that you're helping, helping our homeless in so many ways. Cathedral of Faith has been an enormous blessing to our city, so thank you Praise all. Praise God. Way to go, Cathedral. Yeah. Way to go. Man, thank you, Mayor. And Pastor Ken, as a member of Cathedral of Faith, you say us taking our time. There are two types of people that, that we seem to interact with. There are people who are takers and talkers, and there are people who are doers and donors. And Cathedral of Faith are people that are doers and donors. So Amen. we're honored Amen. to Amen. Thank you, Paul. Amen. Praise God. I thought maybe we could have some fun since the superhero theme is, is prominent today. Uh, when you were growing up, Mayor, did you have a favorite superhero? Yeah, I, um, I don't know how many folks watched cartoons in the 70s as I did, uh, dating myself, but Hong Kong Fooey. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, Hong Kong Fooey. Yeah. <laughs> remember, this is the dog who ordinarily was a janitor in the police station, <laughs> but then would hear about what crime that was going on. And then would jump into a file cabinet and try to put on his cape and then try to get out. And usually the cat spot would try to help him get out of the file cabinet because <laughs> he gets stuck in there. And then he'd come out with his cape on and he could do kung fu and stop all crime and evil in, in the city. That uh, was a yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I loved Hong Kong Fui for lots of reasons. You know, I was kind of a, was the last of five kids and so I was sort of this... Uh, not very self-assured, uh, dopey kid. And I thought, you know, if, if, if a dog who always kind of screws things up and muddles through things uh, never quite gets it right, and usually the cat spot has to pull him out of whatever it is, but in the end, they always stops the crime and saves the day. Uh, if, if a dog like that can have a superpower, uh, then, then it's possible for me too, right? That's great. So I, I just loved it. Oh, yeah. Great lessons to take away from those cartoons and superheroes. How about you, Carl? Well, it's, super, it's superheroes, so I wore my Superman socks. Yeah! <laughs> but growing yes. up, I was, 
absolutely not Superman. And in many ways, I felt more like the invisible man mm. uh, because I was leading really two existences. There was an external Carl and there was the more internal Carl. And the external Carl studied martial arts in a Buddhist temple for eight years and became fairly proficient at that. I was four, uh, fourth in the United States twice. I was third in the United States twice. And I've... Yeah, which taught great humility because there was always someone better. <laughs> but I was supposedly this person who was very strong externally. And I was 17 years old and I was on a Greyhound bus all night going to a national championships in middle of nowhere, Arkansas. And the sun came up on this empty Greyhound bus and, and I was reflecting on my, my life and I realized that Inside, there was more fear than faith, mm. and I needed to change that because the truth of the matter was, since I was about four years old, every night I would go into my room, and I would be so scared to even go into my room. I would look under the bed. I would look into the closet and be so frightened that I would, with shame, drag my blanket and my pillow until I was 17 years old down to my brother's room and sleep on his floor every night. And that morning at daybreak on that bus. I knew there could be something better. And shortly thereafter, on June 14th, 1979, I gave my life to Jesus. And I got home from that service that night, and you have routines, right? And I started to bend over to check under the bed, and I said, I don't need to do that anymore. Because God is in this room, not what I fear is in this room. Boy, Carl, what a powerful story. I really believe that that story is for someone today, that God can transform you from the inside out. And if fear has been getting the best of you, God wants to encourage you today that you can push past that fear and begin to live life with faith. Amen? Amen. And my, my superhero, I loved, you remember Underdog? Yes. There's no need to fear. Underdog is here. <laughs> you know, I haven't thought about that for I don't know how many years, but it's still in my brain somewhere. And I just loved Underdog, and maybe that's why I'm a Raider fan, because it seems we're always the underdogs anymore. And, uh, and maybe even as a pastor, because a, a little bit like you, Sam, I, I look at myself, and I'm just, I mean... I think God called me to be a pastor of Cathedral to just show to the community, if I can work through Ken, I can work through anybody. <laughs> I'm God's great testimony to that. So uh, again, those, those were a lot of fun in those early days, just uh, those cartoons and superheroes and superpowers. I, I, I'm interested, and I think a lot of people would like to hear, you know, you know, as we follow callings, each of us have different callings and have followed different paths. Uh, spheres of influence for the kingdom of God. Um, how did you find your path? Uh, Carl, tell me about your, your path, bud, and how you found that. Thanks, Pastor Ken. I was going to school at Bethany Bible College, believing that God was calling me into full-time ministry. And as I, as I explored that path, uh, at the same time, there was a passion for public service through policy and building community. And I wasn't sure what to do. So I sat down with my pastor at the time, Charles Crabtree at Assemblies of God on Winchester. And 
He was so gracious. We, we spent about an hour together talking it through and praying and talking in, that, in our folder today about gifts yeah. and how we can best use our gifts. And after that hour, he looked at me and he said, Carl, and this is kind of hard to hear from your pastor, he says, Carl, I don't think you're supposed to go into ministry. Um, <laughs> he, he felt that I could better serve our community through a, a life of service in policy. And he was right. That was how I could unleash, how I could best serve our valley and our community was not at the pulpit, but externally in our community. And how long now have you been the head of the Silicon Valley Leadership Group? Well, I checked my phone this morning and they haven't fired me, so it's been, <laughs> it's been 23 years and a month. All right. That's great. Yeah. That's great. That's great work. And Mayor, how about you? How did you find your path as far as that goes? You know, hearing Carl's story, I remembered being very young and I was an altar boy. And a nun told me I was the world's worst altar boy because I was, <laughs> I was late to every single mass. And so I never had a path, I know, going to ministry. But, but I was always really passionate about, even as a kid, just seeing how government can make things better. Right? How could we tackle poverty? How could we make education better? How could we address crime? Whatever it is. And, and I don't know why, I just always seem to be focused on that. And so I went in, into college, and I, um, in college, I worked for two years for free for Normanetta, you know, on Capitol Hill, just because I loved it, and he was a wonderful guy. And, and graduated from law school, and got into a, working in a prosecutor's office, working mostly um, on, on sexual assault cases. And, and, and then I had a breakup with a girlfriend and moved back home. And I was kind of depressed, and I was broke, and I had all student debt, so I decided I was going to go get a, a job at a, a big law firm and, and make some money. And so my first day at the law firm, uh, the partner walks into my office and says, Sam, uh, here, we've got a civil case. You've got to go defend this company. They just designed a blood sucrose monitor that has resulted in the deaths of a dozen people. And I said, okay, great. I've got to take this case. And uh, so I thought about it hard a couple hours, and I was just really kind of conflicted and depressed. And I walked in the partner's office, and I said, you know what, thanks. I think I'm going to go get another job. So uh, that <laughs> night, I, uh, I called up the local DA's office and said, hey, I would love to come back and, and come, or come into the, the, the sexual assault unit and, 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 and do work uh, in protecting kids. And, and, and I immediately jumped in and loved it for five or six years and, and then continued my service here in San Jose. Wow. Yeah, yeah. We're so glad you did. Thank you. Hey, so glad you did. Thank you. And if I can mention, it was yeah. about that time that I had the pleasure of meeting Mayor Licardo. He was not Mayor Licardo or Council Member Licardo. He was a private citizen trying to make a difference in our community. And at that time, it was year 2000. I had I was on loan, working 100-hour weeks on a campaign to fund and bring BART finally to Silicon Valley in San Jose, year 2000. And we had our team assembled, we're working hard, and this young, tall, good-looking Italian, and I know that's redundant, all Italians are good-looking and tall. <laughs> but I, I'm sitting there and he comes in and he says, I'd like to work on this campaign. And we look at his credentials and it's just amazing. I said, we, we can't pay you. We already have our team. He says, I didn't come here to get paid. I, I want to volunteer to make my community better. He worked 80 hour weeks for 14 straight weeks for free to wow, improve our community. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
and he was worth every dime. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to Carl, Bart will be opening this year in San Jose. Yeah, that's that. awesome. Yeah. Boy, that'll be great. No, no. Other way around, we're actually going to legally change his name to Bart Licardo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I said at last service, I just want to take a moment to say to, um, you know, I've, I've had the privilege of meeting some people in, in positions of influence and power. Uh, God's been very gracious in that way. But I have never met uh, two leaders of such influence and power in our valley and in our world that have this incredible servant's heart and humble spirit. I mean, this is what... Uh, when I think of what leadership looks like, the kind of leadership Jesus taught, you're seeing it right up here, and we ought to give God praise for that. I, I really mean that. You guys are awesome. It's such a servant's heart. What my dad just poured into me, have a servant's heart. You guys model that. Um, now, I, I thought of a scripture when we were getting together for today, and the scripture is found in Ecclesiastes 4. It reads this way. It says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. And three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. There's the power of being together, that we're better together. Better together. Say that with me. Better together. And I was thinking that when we get the business community working together with the government leadership, working together with the faith community, that we can be better together in transforming San Jose for the glory of God. Amen? That all of us working together. And so a couple weeks ago, we, we prayerfully put our heads together, and we came up with three ways that Cathedral is going to work together with, with Carl and the mayor this year. And I'd like you to take out, there's a card in your bulletin that has those three ways and if you'll just take that card out, and I want to walk briefly through them, because God may speak to you as they're sharing. You can fill out the information on that card, say, hey, I'm interested in being involved in this way, using my superpower in this way. Drop the card off at one of the guest centers right after service. And, and Mayor, let's talk with this bridging, the Bridges Housing Communities. Tell us about that. Yeah, thanks, Pastor Ken. So, I think we all know we've got a homelessness crisis here in San Jose, and we know it's not just here. It's every big city here in the West, but, but you know, we're, we're working mightily with the county and Destination Home and a lot of nonprofits and, and wonderful church faith-based groups to, to try to get more people housed. We've housed more than 6,000 people in three years, but we know it's not enough because we see every day you know, folks are still out there, and the big challenge is that there just aren't enough apartments. We're trying to build them faster, uh, but there aren't enough apartments that are available. And so often people are working and they're homeless, and we all know that. Um, and, and folks sometimes have a voucher. They can actually pay for an apartment, but they can't get into an apartment because there's not one available. So we're creating these bridge communities. These are tiny home communities. We're building these units for about $7,000 a piece. And a community of about 40 people in each village where they will stay from three to nine months just while they're trying to save up money for a security deposit or down payment or, or, or while we're trying to get an apartment up and and, and, and during that time, of course, uh, they'll be living there uh, in a community. And we would love to have Cathedral of Faith embrace one of these communities, uh, whether it's with a meal that might be provided uh, once a week or, or maybe with fellowship 
Bible reading. Maybe it's getting out there with us on uh, in Habitat for Humanity and building the, 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 the housing. We love to have Cathedral of Faith involved. Well, we are going to be involved, and I'm going to lead the charge on that. So I'm going to be the one that's leading the charge for that village that we're going to be working at. So, And then, Carl, talk to us about the Coding 5K Challenge. I will, but we're talking about using our superpowers and being superheroes. And I think that Mayor Licardo and Pastor Ken deserve Superman capes (laughs) for this. So wow. I, will, I will talk as I hand these to my friends here. <laughs> Let me tell you about our 5K coding All challenge. All the cameras must be hidden at this time. That's right. That's right. <laughs> this is a partnership between the mayor of San Jose, Sam Licardo, and the San Jose Library Foundation with the Silicon Valley Leadership Group. And we had an audacious goal that we wanted to make sure that young kids primarily growing up with very modest means, if not living in poverty, could could capture some of what we're creating here in Silicon Valley by growing the skills and the passion around science and technology and engineering and math. And to go through, in the safe space of a public library, a coding academy. So we had a pretty audacious goal for 2018, just started last February through the end of December. Could we provide a coding academy for kids first grade through 12th grade and try to figure out how 2,500 kids in five of our libraries could not only start but complete a coding academy? Well, we didn't achieve 2,500. By the end of last year, 4,500 kids had graduated from the Coding Academy. Helping those kids, releasing those dreams, amen. Exactly. But every dream needs that person with the vision at the front. And we have a young lady on our team. She's amazing. Her name is Alyssa Cisneros. Something about the name Alyssa that just makes people amazing, I think. And she spearheads this effort with the mayor's office and the San Jose Library Foundation. We want to exceed that goal this year. But the term 5K comes from this. By 2020, every single year going forward, we want 5,000 kids, mainly in our underserved communities, to graduate from a coding academy. Praise God. That's awesome, Carl. Thank you. That's awesome. So if you have a little bit of skill and passion around technology and a lot of heart, check that box on your card. Join us and help us. Yeah, Carla, my brother, Kurt, would you stand? Uh, He's going to be leading the charge for that code, coding 5K challenge. All right. I just, I just want to yeah. say, when we tried starting this program, we thought we were going to start small. Carl said, no way. I'm going to go raise money. We're going to make this big. And I really want to thank Carl for stepping up with a lot of folks in his membership. Yeah. Really appreciate it. That's great, Carl. Yeah. That's great, Carl. Shoot yeah. for those stars, man. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And then the last one you'll see on the card is Beautify San Jose. We're going to work with the mayor's team. And um, you know, one of the first commands we find in the Bible is to take care of the garden. Say that with me. Take Take care care of of the the garden. garden. And so here at Cathedral of Faith, we believe that this is our part of the garden. We want to take care of it. And so beautify San Jose. We're going to work with the city and the off-ramp at 87 and Kurtner. 
we are believing that we are going to turn that off-ramp into the most beautiful off-ramp in the entire city. We're going to clean it. We're going to beautify it. People are going to come from around the Bay Area with their cell phones. It's going to go viral. And the only one who could lead this charge would be the most beautiful woman in San Jose, my wife, Elisa. Yes. She's going to lead the effort. And... And if I may, there was actually a three-way tie for most That's right. beautiful wife. That's right. And my wife, Leslie, would love to partner with Elisa That's on this right. goal. Yes. And, and on note, my wife, Jessica, is coming to 1145, so I'm going to have to ask her for permission. First. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Smart man. Yeah. Oh, well, again, I, I hope that you'll pray. Uh, check which box you'd like to be a part of. This is a tangible way that we can love our city, use our superpowers to see a little bit more of heaven on earth here in San Jose. And the last thing I want to do is I'd like you to stand with me. And I, this is such an honor today. Thank you for being a part of this very unique service. But I'm going to ask Pastor Shelley to come up here. And the Bible tells us to pray for those in authority. Pray for those who are over us. And, and the mayor and Carl, uh, they have tremendous influence, but they have tremendous responsibility. And they have tremendous pressures that are on them. And I want you to pray that God would cover them and bless them and give them every bit of grace that they need as they lead our city forward. Shelly, would you lead us in prayer? And I'm going to invite you. Extend your hands out toward them. Thank you, Father, Father, we just thank you so much thank for you, these God. leaders that you have given to us, oh God. You have blessed the city of San Jose with the best. And Father, we just ask in Jesus' name that you would protect our leaders, Lord God, that you would watch over them and their families, that you would do in them that which only you can do. Father, I pray that you continue to give them wisdom and discernment, that you continue to bless everything that they put their hands to. God, I just pray that your favor would be upon them, that this would be a year of increase for them, Lord God, in every single way possible. Father, we thank you for our leadership. We thank you for our church. We thank you, God, for what you are doing through the leadership and the church in our city. And we ask, God, that you would show yourself strong. Yes, Lord. That you would do above and beyond all that we could ever ask or imagine so that there would be a little bit more of heaven here on earth in the city of San Jose. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, amen. Amen. Let's give God praise. Amen. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do this year in our city.